Amen. Yes, Amen. it is. Thanks, Pastor John. All right, kids, you guys can be dismissed. First through sixth grade. Let me Chandra meet you right back at the door. And uh, all right, I got I got good news and bad news. What do you want first? Okay, let's talk about the good news. Because everybody always wants the bad news first, right? But I can't tell you what the bad news is, tell you what the good news is. Everybody's like, what is it's not that big of a deal. Okay, it has to do with life groups. That's the good news, is life groups are starting. The bad news is, is if you uh, were not part of our group when COVID hit, our, our group is full. Oh, everybody go, oh. So if your marriage is in shambles, call a counselor. Um, no. So, so how we do, we do our life groups in semesters. And so we got our semester started with the group we have. And the reason we have to limit it, um, and it's already full, is obviously COVID, okay? Because one time we opened our house and 38 adults showed up. Um, and so my wife, again, is still at risk. And so we have to, to follow as best we can the protocols the CDC wants us to do. So, um, so if you're looking forward like, to coming to ours and you weren't a part of it, you'll have to join the next one. Um, so uh, we're not doing food, just so you know that. Um, we're just trying to take, but usually we do food and that's like the best part especially when Grace shows up, because Grace cooks this really good food, and it's just awesome. Um, there's no child care, so no kids are allowed, because again, with the safety thing, uh, there'll be hand sanitizer at the door, so when you come to my house, you just sanitize your hands, squirt it in your mouth, everything should be fine. Don't listen to that last one, all right? Um, and so, uh, anyhow, I wrote down here, just be smart about it, but we're going to be as safe as possible. Um, you know, life groups, again, they're super important, but we're still at that edge where um, I've had some really good friends recently contract it, and they're like, you don't want it, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want it. Uh, so, again, we're being as safe as possible. Um, Mark and Georgians is also full, so if you go back there and look at which ones you're going to go to, so two of them already filled up. Um, everybody cool with that? Even if you're not, get over it. Um, I love you. I'm your pastor. No. Uh, so again, I think everybody understands just because of the, the whole situation. Uh, we don't want to pack a bunch of people into our living room uh, because we don't want an outbreak, right? We don't want an outbreak. We want to be safe. Um, and again, is, with the masks thing, is it's really important. Like um, some people uh, may not wonder why they're wearing them because they might not be afraid, but they may work with people at risk. And we have people in our church that work with at-risk people. You know, so if they're wearing their mask, man, they're doing it for a reason. And sometimes the best thing you can do is sacrifice for someone else. Amen? So we'll get through this. I promise. We will. Right? Okay, good. Y'all kind of act as scared. Um, but I'm excited about today's message. As when tendencies take over, here's the really good news. I ended 15 minutes short for service. Can I get an amen? All right? I was like, it's 1030 and I'm done. And uh, the sheer biggest amen I've had all year, which was totally a lie, but it was close. All right, let's get into this. Uh, this is more of a teaching. You, you cool with that? Last week, I think I preached a little bit, but I just, this is a good teaching lesson. Um, I'm really excited about this because it hits, it hits home for me in some areas uh, because we're talking about tendencies. That's, a, that's the title of the series. Uh, when tendencies take over, and it's not that you, you shouldn't have tendencies, it's when they take over that's bad. Like you can have a tendency to have a short fuse, like, ah, but when it takes over is when the damage is caused. So all of us will have tendencies that we have to deal with and that we're in the third installment of this message. And as I told you last week, it's titled really simple, Haas not happy. Haas not happy. We're likening the story of the, the prodigal son to the bonanza where you got Haas, little Joe and Pa. And so when I use those words, some of you are like so brand new Christians. You're like, I didn't know that the Haas was a biblical word and there was a little Joe. Um, well, that was Joseph Old Testament. So I guess we could go there. Tough crowd today. Tough crowd. All right. All right. Let's pray over for the word. Lord, thank you for your word. I do ask for your 
the Holy Spirit just be here in such a powerful way. Uh, we know that you've already anointed you. We're now asked that you would anoint the message and to help us to take it to heart and, and to be more like you um, as we leave this place. And we love you. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So my, my granddaughter, again, I think I told you the other day she was sitting in the car seat and she's four and a half, almost five, and we have these fun little conversations and she says, Papa, did you get a haircut just in one spot? In the back here. I was like, nope, just losing my hair, sweetheart. And she's like, okay, from the mouth of a child. Well, we were in the, the garage working on a motorcycle, um, and uh, she's in there helping. And, and so she finds a picture of me. I don't even know where the picture came from, but it was me in my tuxedo when I got married. And it's like me with a big smile on my face. And I, you can tell I'm looking down the aisle. My beautiful wife was coming down the aisle. And she, she's looking at it, and she says, Papa, who is this? I said, that's me. And she, no kidding, this is what she said. She looks at me, she goes, in the picture, you look normal. Now, now you look old. That's what she said. I was like, I love you too, sweetheart. And she didn't, didn't stop there. She says, in the picture, you have brown hair. Now it's white. I'm in the garage going, get out of my shop. Um, and I was like, from the mouths of babes, you know. So we had this little funny interaction um, with my granddaughter. And let me something about kids is they just call it how it is, Right. Yeah, the haircut one, I didn't quite appreciate that because I can't see it, but she obviously did. Did you just get a haircut in that one spot? <laughs> it's, it's funny. Aren't grandkids great? If it had my, my own kid, I'd have turned around and slapped him, but a grandkid, you laugh. <laughs> Haas not happy. Why is he not happy? We'll talk about that in a moment. We're going to go to the book of Matthew chapter 20. I'm going to start out with a story that Jesus tells that, that plays into our lesson um, and it's titled Workers and Wages, and it's actually a story, I don't think I've ever preached on this before, of all 30 years of ministry. Uh, matter of fact, I didn't realize this, but November, I think, in November, is it November? We'll have been here 23 years, so that's pretty awesome. Um, Georgian and Laura Brothers and Hannah, I think, have outlasted us. They're the three that were here before we came. Um, and so, anyways, I guess if you've been in a church for 23 years, your granddaughter can say, Dad, you're, or Papa, you're getting bald, and you gotta be okay with it. Amen? If you don't know, Pastor Chase was in diapers in the first church that we were a youth pastor at. He was in the nursery. Laura Brothers was close. She was close. So, my you guys have aged. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, good things. All right, let's get in. Now that you're happy, let's just start into this. So this is a lesson on motive and unfairness, um, or what we view as unfairness. Again, this is more of a teaching on how we look at life. And if you look at life as, oh, it's just unfair, it's unfair, you're going to be miserable. And so the Bible is very, very clear that um, life isn't always going to appear fair. Life isn't always going to be fair in the way that we define fairness. Okay, We just have to be okay with it. Like there's certain things that go, okay, I don't have the voice of an angel. I'll never be on American Idol. You know, I, I might've been on the gong show if you're old enough to remember that where they had terrible people and they gonged you. Uh, we have to be okay with who God made us to be. And we're not all excellent at everything. We're good at what God has created us to be. So here's, here's a, a parable that Jesus tells uh, his disciples. He said, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. And I've actually seen this happen before, um, and I don't remember where it was at. It might have been on a missions trip where you would see these old pickup trucks pull up to a group of men standing at this one location, and they would hire guys. Like guys would pile in the truck, and they'd drive off to work in the farm. So for me, this is like a reality thing. So this, this owner of the vineyard goes to the, to the market, 
to find employees, um, and he hired some men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. So whatever the day's wages was a denarius, let's say it was 200 bucks. Um, you know, agreed, 200 bucks, yep, okay, let's work. About the third hour, he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace uh, doing nothing, and he told them, you also go work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. So it was like a 12-hour day. He went out again at the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the 11th hour, an hour before quitting time, he went out and he found still others standing around and he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? (laughs) Which is a phrase that you never want to say to your spouse when you get home. (laughs) What did you do today? Don't ever say that. Not by experience, but by counseling some of y'all who have said that. Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, will you also go work in my vineyard? So when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the ones that I hired last and then going to the first. And the workers who were hired about the 11th hour, they worked one hour, they came and they each received a denarius. They got their 200 bucks. So when those who were hired first They expected to receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired, they only worked for an hour. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do with what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the, first, the last will be first, and the first will be last. What a, what a story, huh? What a story. Let's pop over to the book of Luke, chapter 15. And we're going to talk about Hoss, little Joe, and Pa. And it's a really, really good story. Um, all right, Luke chapter 15. We'll start in verse 11 if you haven't been here. Actually, before I get into this, I want to give you an example, because you may not quite have grasped the workers' wages. Let's say today, after church, I give each of you an envelope. It's got your name on it. Everybody's got a name, envelope. You get your envelope. You leave church. You open the envelope. There's a $100 bill in it, okay? And you're like, this is awesome. I mean, you're like, whoa, I didn't expect it. This is great. Let's go eat. Let's do something. You're so excited. And, and about an hour later, you, you flip your phone on, and you start going, scrolling through Facebook and Instagram, and all of these people from Change Life Church are opening these envelopes, and it has $200 bills in it. And you start seeing all these posts. Man, I got 200 bucks at church today. I got, two, I got 200 bucks, too. Everybody's got 200 And you, you only got one hundo. Don't tell me that something inside of you would go, that's not fair. Like, how come I only got 100 And you might even send me a text message and say, Pastor, I see that everybody else got $200. Did you miss one in my envelope by just by maybe possible chance? You know I'm telling you the truth. Every single one is undeserved, not expecting to see everybody else get 200 and you got one. Unless you are an absolute saint and perfect and should be preaching in this pulpit and I will take a seat, something in you would go, that's not fair, right? Human nature is crazy, and so this tendency is, is to go, okay, how do I fight that? And then you would be like, I only got 100. And everybody else is like showing you what they bought with their 200. I got a new outfit. I got a new DeWalt tool, which is, you can barely get a DeWalt tool for 200 bucks. But, but this is what I got. And, and you'd be like, well, I just got 100. That's what the story is talking about. There's something inside of us 
that, that thinks that if somebody else gets blessed more than us, then it's not fair. But I want to tell you something that I, that I, I believe absolutely God shared with me this morning because I'm not smart enough to think of something like this. And, and here's what I, I wrote down. If you focus on fairness, you will lose your effectiveness. If you focus on fairness, you will lose your effectiveness. And some people, because they don't think life is fair, they don't push forward. They don't go, they don't do anything because they think, well, life's ripped me off. But God wants us to be effective in our life. And if we're always focused on the fairness of it or whether something's fair or not, we will lose our effectiveness. A true statement, isn't it? If you think life isn't fair, you'll eventually become bitter because your focus is on the wrong thing. In other words, your energy is always spent on something. It's either negative or positive. You always have some sort of energy, and it's spent on the negative things or the positive things in life. Well, this leads us into the story. Um, if you haven't been with us, let me go ahead and just read it. And, you know, little Joe goes off, and he makes a mess of life. As it says this, Jesus continued in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. And again, there's, it's a parable. It's a story he's telling. So there's no names, so we name them so you can have a better retention. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the ponderosa. I want my share, Pa. Little Joe's like, I just want to go to town. I want to go blow it all. And Paul divides it up. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for this distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. So he went from the Ponderosa to Virginia City, and now he's partying it up, wild living. After he spent everything, the severe famine hit the whole country, and he began to be in need. And he went out and he hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent him in his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, which was kind of the topic of last week, is there's a moment when you realize what I'm doing is leading to a bad spot. And you come to your senses, you're like, this is really stupid behavior. I need to change it. He figured it out. But sometimes you have to go, come down to nothing to figure it out. See, my goal is that you don't have to hit rock bottom to realize you're at rock bottom. You don't have to lose everything to realize that you need to appreciate what you do have. Okay, have, have the smarts to go, you know what, I need to come to my senses before things get terrible, as in little Joe's case. But he came to his senses, which is a good thing. And then he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, I'll go back to my father, and I will say to him, Father, you didn't give me enough. Okay, good. That's why I want you to bring your Bibles, okay, because it's not what it said. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up, so he had a plan, and he's ex executing the plan now. He got up and he went to his father. You know, you can have a plan, but if you don't execute the plan, it's no good. You gotta execute the plan. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, I believe because he was looking for him, and he was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you, and I'm no longer be worthy to be called your son. And we talked about the worthiness doesn't, the worthiness isn't something to be earned. You can't earn DNA. God, you are a child of God. If you've given your heart to Jesus, you are a child of God. You don't have to be worthy now to be his child, okay? But this, this, Jesus is making a point here. You're worthy by what Jesus did for you on the cross if you've accepted him as your savior, all right? I'm not worthy to be called your son, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, and sandals on his feet. I thought this morning, that'd be a good, that'd be a good sermon series. Put a ring on a finger. Because some of y'all are waiting a little too long, right? If you're living together, you're shacking up. You know that's sin? It's called fornication. Put a ring on it and make it right. That wasn't in my notes. That was for free for somebody, right? It'll set you free. Some of y'all are looking for somebody to put a ring on, but that's for a later message too, okay? 
bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they begin to celebrate. Meanwhile, Hoss comes in from the field and he gets near the house and he heard music and dancing. He said, hey, Hopsing, what's going on? If you, don't Bonanza, if you don't know Bonanza, that's not funny. Hopsing is the servant. And, and Hopsing, you know how Hopsing talks. He called, what's going on? And Hopsing says, your brother come home. Your brother come home. Pop, throw a big party. That's why Hoss not happy, okay? Hoss not happy. He killed the fattened calf, and he's back safe and sound. And, and, and Hoss gets angry. Hoss says, I'm not going in there. This is stupid. He's squandered everything, and now we're celebrating? I'm ad-libbing in the Bible. Let me read what it really says. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeying your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property, like accusatory, your property with prostitutes, he comes up, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and in found. Okay, what a great story of a person who makes a mess of life and comes home to the cross. Okay, and so we're gonna just talk about that. Again, little Joe makes a mess of his life, repents, comes home. Ask a question here is, what would have been like if little Joe would have encountered Haas first instead of Pa? Would Haas have said, hey, little brother, glad to see you, or would there have been an amazing judgment and criticism? Because okay. we got to play the story out like, okay, what, who would you want to meet when you came home? See, the older brother is a really good example of what religion looks like. Okay, because God's after relationship, not religion. See, religion is works-based. If it's performance-based, I'm worthy, then I'll get to go into a man-made temple and worship and I know some people that, that I've talked to them about that they can't go into a certain temples and we're not gonna say what um, here, but, but you know what I'm talking about. There's, there's temples, okay, there's Buddhists, there's all kinds of religious temples that if you're worthy, then you get to go into them. And guys, we don't have to become worthy to go into the temple. Here's what happened. When Jesus died for us, we became the temple of God. The Bible is very clear about that. So you don't have to get cleaned up and fixed up for God to be a part of you. Jesus says, comes and inhabits us. His spirit inhabits us when we give our life to him. We become the temple. Isn't that cool? Like there's big temples and there's little temples and there's balding temples and there's white-haired temples and there's wonderful granddaughters who points those things out. Yeah. You see, if you encounter a religious person, what's it like? I think it's like the older brother. You seldom, if ever, walk away encouraged. You ever ran into a religious person? You don't feel better about life after because it's a, it's a holier-than-thou attitude. It's a, it's a, well, I'm, I match up more than you. I would say don't spend time with people like that. Matter of fact, it's like a cat or a dog that sheds and wants to rub up against you, right? You, you learn to stay away from it. I have a white Siamese cat, and she's amazing. She's beautiful. I love her. Her name is Alice, and she loves to rub up against me. I love to pet her. If I'm dirty, I'm, I'm all for it. But when I have my church clothes on, or when I have clean clothes on, I'm like, stay away. Why? Because what rubs up against you gets on you. And when you rub up against, or somebody rubs up against you that, that is like Haas, who's just religious, unforgiving, bitter, angry, it will rub on you whether you want to, to or not. So you have to learn what to stay away from. And little Joe, he's, he's like not quite expecting this, this reaction from dad. I think he's probably expecting more from his brother. But you gotta stay away from those things that will 
leave a residue on you that doesn't leave you better. Amen? There are certain friendships that it is okay to say, you know what, this isn't taking me in the right direction. This is not taking me closer to God. It's not helping me. It's hindering me. So you, you can tell them, you're kind of like Pastor Sam's white cat. I just, you just need to stay away from it. Why? Because you, you rub up against me and it just leaves a residue that I don't like. You know how long it takes to get hair off your clothes? It happens in a second. I had this cat did it with my shirt. It, had, it rips his tail or her tail. Went across. I was like, doggone it. I should have said cat, gone it, but dog on it, and I got the lint roller and got it. But you can get messed up way faster than you can get fixed up, right? So learn to stay away from those people that will rub you the wrong way. So verse 27, it's kind of interesting, that Paul's grace to little Joe reveals something in Haas that Haas may not even have known was in him. And it was the I deserve it, you don't attitude. It's not saying that Haas's obedience and hard work were bad, but what we're looking now is motive, and what Haas was more concerned with was unfairness than he was his brother's life. Let me tell you this. It's not a slide. I probably should have made it a slide. It's a sad thing when we devalue human life for the sake of our own selfish desires. I have had people, true story, I have had people saved at this church on a Sunday morning and have had people after church like be like, I didn't like that song. We sing, I don't like that song we sing. Yeah, but somebody got saved. Well, yeah, but that's whatever. I didn't like the song. Or we sang that song last time. I've had that happen. I'm, I'm like, somebody got saved. Yeah, but I didn't like the song. Oh, I didn't know we were singing to you. So sorry. Right? <laughs> Joe, I lift your name on high. Right? Like, we don't sing to people. And I get it. We like to like the song. But it, it, it's backwards to say, but somebody got saved. Yeah, well, but I didn't like the song. Well, it's not about you. Church isn't about us. It is about us in a way, but it's not about us in a way. It's about us coming together to serve God in an unprofessional manner. Because I don't like professional church. I like real church. Well, we can come and say, man, we all got a mess. Let's get through this together. Not everything has to look great. Not every, you know, usher has to shake your hand. Not every, the pastor doesn't have to. Listen, I don't have time to shake all your hands. I wish I did. You know, the old days when I could shake your hand and give you a hug when you came in, well, hopefully we'll get back to that, right? Because that was my goal. It's like, I want to touch everybody in because I'm a touchy person. Like, I love you. I just want you to know. Um, but, but that's my love language. And if your loved ones ain't touched, you'd be like, ooh, you're like the cat, man. Stay away from me. I don't want what you're giving. Um, so I'll give you an air five or whatever. But I love being around people. But I want to tell you something. When you come to church, I think you should leave better than when you came in. And it's my heart is to give you a solid message of what God's word says um, and so that you leave feeling there's some hope. Amen? Matter of fact, my amazing wife, she got these posters. I don't know if you saw them. When you come in, it says, smile at Sunday. She, she made all those. They're really cool. Um, or she had them. She designed them and they made them. But the one, when you, when you go out, it, it says you got this. Because my wife and I believe in you, all right? That when you drive out of this. And now if you're arguing with your spouse, that is not to you. You got, this, you got this argument, you're gonna win. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to look at things. But, but Haas is not happy. He's got this I deserve attitude. Now he's got this motive because he, he's devaluing his brother's life for the sake of his own selfish desires. Now, had little Joe died, there may have been from Haas, that ah, serves him right. He chose to go that direction. Don't you think? I mean, he, he's got this bitterness in, toward his little brother that if he'd have died, he'd have, ah, you know what, ah, serves him right. He decided to leave. He decided to do his own thing. Because Haas is not happy that Joe, here's why Haas ain't happy. Haas ain't happy because Joe came home to, a, to Grace in a party, and he's going to let his dad know about it. What's the next slide? Is it Haas has spoken? Is that, is that it? What, look at this slide here. The, the Haas has spoken. 
And what Haas says is going to be right in his mind. Why? Because he's looking at this from an, a fairness, unfairness thing. And he's not happy that his little brother gets a party. Haas reveals this tendency that lives in all of us at one level or another in verses 28 through 30. And it's a tendency that we have to fight um, at times when it reveals itself. So how does this show up in our relationships? In our relationships, we keep score. We keep score. We keep score with our kids, don't we? If you have more than one child, there's a competition going on. Well, you behaved, well, you misbehaved. You get to have ice cream, you don't. And it's not always a bad thing because consequences have to happen in a relationship. But when we do this in our marriages, when we keep score in our marriages, I mean, sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it, but we keep score. Well, you always do this or you did it last week or this up. And that, one that's nice thing when you get older is you start forgetting what the other person did. It's like you wake up to a honeymoon. It's awesome. I wake up I'm like, whoa, who are you? You're hot. 28 years ago. Oh, yeah. I saw the picture and it reminded me of what I used to look like. And you still, I, I had, did you know I had brown hair? Did you know, babe, that I looked normal at one point? Now I look old. I'm sure that picture. I'm going to tape that picture on the bedpost. This is what I used to look like. All right. My wife still looks hot, so it's some, there's something not fair, with, but, but I guess you can color your hair. You color, you color her hair, it looks great. You color mine, you're like, oh, you're just trying to be young again. It's so not fair being a guy sometimes, but we don't have to birth children, so we'll talk about fairness. Totally unfair, right? It's much easier to be a guy than it is to be a woman, I will tell you that. Haas is mad. And I had my thought here. My thought was, Haas wasn't mad that his brother came home. Haas was mad that Pa was happy about it. That's what made him angry. That's what made Haas angry was that, hey, this is not fair. Little Joe doesn't deserve a party. And you know what? Haas is right. He doesn't deserve a party. Because when we look at what we deserve, we deserve hell. Every single one of us. We have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But the gift of God is eternal life through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why the cross is so important. That's why we have the cross there. It's so that we can remember what Jesus did for us because we cannot earn it. Little Joe doesn't deserve it, but that's the whole point that Jesus is trying to make. Jesus is alluding to what he was about to do, that God gave us something we didn't deserve, and it's available to anyone who will come to their senses, own their mistakes, and come home. Now, back up just a tiny bit. Had Haas walked in with Pa standing there looking at little Joe and going, told you so. Boy, you look terrible. It's all your fault. Pa, just be a servant. You know what Haas would have been happy with? Here's what Haas would have been happy with. Haas would have been happy for Pa to give little Joe a shovel to start cleaning stalls. Because Haas's attitude is instead of a party, you should be scooping poop. Right? Was that gentle enough? Because I wanted to say a different word, not the bad, bad one, but a mid-range word. But party and poop match, right? Haas would have been fine if Paul would have said, you're home, boy, but you're going to pay for this. Go start shoveling stalls, boy. You, and if you do good enough for a month, you don't whine, then I might accept you back as my son. Haas was trying to give him the shovel to say he deserves to clean stalls. He deserves to work. He deserves to be a servant. And, and, and Paul, can I, can I be his boss? Haas the boss, Absolutely. You make sure he cleans those good, and you tell him the what to and the wherefore. If he doesn't do a good enough job, Hoss, you let him have it. Hoss would have been like, thanks, Pa. You're the best. But he went from not having to scoop poop to an amazing party. That's what Hoss had a problem with. Would you all agree that if Hoss came, if, if he would have treated little Joe the way he deserved it, 
Hoth would have been pretty happy about it. Beating and yeah, you just no good. You low down. You know you the one that left. But that's not what takes place. What what Jesus is telling us here is he's like you don't know my dad because you think if if you're little Joe that God would never accept you back because of your past, and you would be completely wrong. You'd be completely wrong. I think God gets more glory from the person that makes a mess and, and comes home than the person who lives like Hoss and squeaky clean. He's like yeah, you you don't have any issues, but little Joe he needed grace. He needed forgiveness. Matter of fact, he doesn't need to be shoveling poop. He's got it all over him. He needs a bath. He needs a new robe. He needs a ring, right, to to signify that he's my son, that he doesn't have to earn it. The ring says, no, son, you made a mess, but you came home and you confessed. Man, here's the ring. You're still mine. You're still mine. So if you're away from God right now, you need to understand because sometimes the fear is that God won't accept you because you've had a bad experience on this earth. Maybe you had a dad or a grandpa or somebody in authority that, that just didn't treat you right. That's not God. That's not God's heart. And Jesus is making it very clear. He says, I know my father. My father's got a good heart. My father will accept you and you blow it. You make a mess of life. He he won't go, okay, get cleaned up and then I'll give you a hug. What did it say? He ran to his son. And again, his son, he's a mess. He's been feeding pigs for a long time. He probably didn't stop by and have this shower. I mean, his hair is probably crazy. And and what did the, the father do? He ran to him and he just threw his arms around him. Messing on, he's probably like, boy, you stink. But I love you. I love you. And you might be feeling today that you're not worthy to have a God love you like that. And let me tell you something, you are. You are. God loves you even in your mess. Loves you even though you've made a big mess in life. And some people don't come because they're afraid of the reaction. Well, you need to understand, and Jesus is making it clear, this is my father. He loves us. Loves giving us a second chance. God gives us something we didn't deserve. We all deserved hell, but we got heaven. This parable is really about eternity. And what we don't see here, okay, because here's, here's the truth, is, is the scars that little Joe will still have. Okay, he went out, slept with a bunch of prostitutes. He's probably got something there. Okay, he made a lot of bad decisions. He's got scars, probably got into bar fights, half probably has physical scars. There's gonna be scars. So though that there's grace, Okay, that he'll have to deal, or scars he'll have to deal with the rest of his life, even though he got grace. So if you look at this lesson as permission to just go live hog wild and come back and get forgiven, you're fooling yourself. God loves you, but there are still consequences, right? He forgives you, but there's still scars from the things that we do. So you need to understand that there's some scars, some things you just battle the rest of your life. And, and let your scars be a reminder of what God saved you out of. I mean, you have to do that. I, I was actually looking at a scar on my knee the other day, and, uh, and I remembered the surgery, you know? That's what the scar means to me, is the doctor had to open my leg up to fix it, but there was some pain in the process, okay? And sometimes God has to open those things up. To, we have to let him open us up, and we have to be open to him to fix it. See, there's always consequences to doing your own thing. Teenagers, especially listen to me. There's always consequences to doing your own thing, okay? If you're a virgin, stay a virgin until you get married, Okay? If you're not, okay, confess it and then wait till you get married. I'm not afraid to tell you that. Okay? Just, just say no. Just, just not going to. Not going to. Because it's that easy. Just say no. Yeah. What I'm telling you is don't get in the back seat of a car and start making out and pray for strength. <laughs> they go work. Because biology is stronger than prayer sometimes. All right? Don't put yourself in the position that you can fail. Amen? So be smart about it. Forgiveness doesn't mean there's no consequences. Think about fish and lures, all right? The hook gets taken, but there's still a hole in his lip. Matter of fact, I would advise you, don't take a lot of advice from somebody who has a lot of holes in their lips. 
And I'm not talking about piercings, okay? I'm not talking about piercings. That just actually crossed my mind. That could be taken offensive. I didn't mean that. I meant people that, that constantly bite the lures that Satan throws out there. Don't be taking spiritual advice from them if they're still got fresh holes in their, in their lips, right? I mean, they could tell you don't do this, but if they're doing it. So what you can do is, is if you have some of those scars, to say, hey, see this hole in my lip? If you're a fish, right? I bit the lure. This is what happened. I bit the lure. You teach a young fish. I bit the lure. Here's the scar. I'm forgiven. I'm swimming free. But this is what it did. This is what it did. Sometimes I think tongue rings actually aren't a bad thing because it reminds you to shut up, right? When you need to. I thought about that. Put one in my lips. I just pull a little string. Oh, yeah, don't say that. Don't worry. I won't come to church with one hooked to my ear. That is the craziest thing people do. Because my flesh, my tendency is to grab that thing and lead that person wherever I want them to go. So if you're around me, you got chains hooked, I'm probably going to grab them just for fun. Because I'm a good shepherd, I will lead you where you need to go. Huh? I don't do that. I don't have a problem with piercings, just so you know. But if it's, if it's chain, that's why I don't wear a tie. Never put something around your neck that somebody can strangle you with. I just, that's just how it is. It's going to be a pull-off. I do wear ties when I need to. Let's wrap this up. It's not even noon yet, and we're wrapping up. Yeah, just give me an amen, all right? Thank you. I always hate it when it's the best one. I'm just kidding. It's good. So which one do you tend to be? Here's where we get to deal with this. We all have a little Joe in us. Every single one of us is prone to wander. Every single one of us has gone astray. Are we paw or are we hoss? And I want you to leave today just going, oh, that was a nice message, you know, thought-provoking, but I want this to be life-changing. I want you to ask yourself, am I acting like paw or am I acting like hoss towards somebody who just needs to be loved? What, what, is, what is my first reaction? Again, I'm not saying that you don't need to discipline you. Discipline your kids, okay? But they need to know that you love them first. That's what makes the discipline worth it, is when you discipline. If they know you love them, they believe the best in them. If, if you don't love your kids and you just discipline them, that's abuse. That's how I look at it, right? You, you gotta love them first. Are we like Pa or like Haas? Do we have the tendency to be like Haas, judgmental and critical toward little Joes, or like Pa, where we welcome the sinner home with open arms? So here's the question, number one, who am I like? Because this is what I want you to deal with right now. Who am I like, Pa or Haas? For me, it's probably a little bit of both, but I, I want to strongly resemble Pa when things go bad, when somebody needs grace. I want to be the one just to love and say, you know what, it's okay. It's okay. Again, I'm not talking about discipline. I'm talking about just people made a mistake and they need forgiveness, they need grace, just to say it's okay. The second thing is, hopefully this drives it home, is who do you want to encounter when you're the one who messed up? When you're the one that made a mess, when you're the one that needs grace, when you're the one that lost their temper, you're the one that, that gossiped, you're the one that you know, gave in to temptation, who do you want to encounter when it's time to come home? Do you want to encounter big brother who's judgmental and critical? Or do you want to encounter Pa who says, you know what, it's okay. Son, daughter, I love you. Thank you for telling me. Thanks. Just, man, come here, bring it here. Who do you want to encounter? Well, then be the one that you want to encounter. In your marriages, be the one you want to encounter. Be that person. Do they deserve to show up? Yeah, they probably do. But you know what? Grace is so much better. Grace works. And that's how God is with us. He offers that grace. So maturity is being happy about someone else's blessings. And that hospital was not happy about it. So fight the tendency that everything has to be fair. People get hung up on fairness. Well, guys... That's just not how it works, is it? We know what's ideal and we know what's real. Ideal is, everything should be fair. Real is, 
I was born with four toes on my left foot. I don't sit around every day going, God, how come my congregation has five? It's just, it's just not right. See, and I joke about it because I'm going to get that fifth one when I get to heaven. And it's going to be my show and tell story for the rest of eternity. I'm going to be like, hey, look, I can't say it anymore. And you're like, just shut up about that already, all right? And I'm also going to be probably six two, So you won't even recognize me. I'll have hair. It'll be brown. I'll have a youthful face, a six foot two body, and five toes. You're going to be like, who are you? I was your pastor on earth. And you'd be like, wow, you've improved. <laughs> Heaven is all about improving, right? We're going to get new bodies. It's going to be amazing. Okay, ours are going to wear out. We're going to take our last breath, and then we're going to get new bodies. That's something cool to look forward to, amen? Especially when you hit the age where you wake up, you're like, I don't feel good. I didn't even do nothing yesterday. You ever have those? You feel like you worked out, and all you did was watch football? Yeah, some of you know that? Last thought. If you focus on fairness, you will always be disappointed. If that's your focus, you will always be disappointed. So focus on the grace of God. Someone is always going to appear to have it better than you. And don't let bitterness into your heart. Don't let bitterness into your heart. Celebrate the wins. Don't you think that if you celebrate the wins and God sees you doing that, that he's gonna give you some wins too? But if you're like the first story we talked about and you're complaining about how, how well, why would God, how come you gave them? They only work, they've only served you for a week and look at, what you, look at what you, if you act like that, why would God want to bless you? Because we know what it's like with our kids. If you've got one kid that's always grumbling about what the other kid's getting, you don't even want to bless that kid, do we? And we're made in the image of God, so I think there's some things there that we have to look at and say, okay, if, if God, if I'm looking at one kid that's just going nuts and, and complaining all the time, I really don't want to bless that. I don't really want to take him to ice cream. But the other one that says, no, here, you can have it. We're like, okay, I'm gonna bless you. I think that's how God looks at us. It doesn't mean we're not his kid if we're the terrible one. We've still got the DNA. But God will bless, I believe, a heart that says, man, I'm thankful for somebody else's blessing. I was thankful. Somebody, I don't know who it is. Most of you know that Corvettes are my favorite car. And I've always wanted one until I saw the brand new model. This lime green, sweet looking, brand new Corvette coming down Meridian Road. And I was like, oh baby, I don't want any other year, but I want that year. Because it was beautiful. I thought it was a Ferrari. And when he parked, I put my hands on it. I said, thus saith the Lord, I'm gonna name it and claim it in Jesus' name. (laughs) No, I didn't. But if something in my heart went, that is a nice car. I like that car. I like that car but I'm happy for the one who drove it, amen? It wasn't like, oh, they get one I don't. It was like somebody's blessed with a new Corvette and it's sweet. I don't know if you haven't seen them, but they're very, very beautiful. Heaven's full of them. It's like driving an old beat up Toyota on earth, but I don't think God cares about cars. But the point is, is if somebody gets something like that for you to rejoice the fact that they were able to get one, I think that means something to God, amen? When we can say like, God, thank you for blessing them with that. And God looks at us and says, that's the kind of attitude I want to bless right there. Amen. All right. Well, bow your heads if you would. Uh, again, I preached a long time last week, so I wanted to go a little shorter this week. But the one question that I have to ask you in first service, we had a young lady raise her hand to give her life to Jesus. And uh, God's doing something in our church, guys. Several Sundays in a row, we've had people give their hearts to Christ. And that is the most important thing to me, is that people will make heaven their home. So if you're here today and you are that prodigal, maybe you've 
ran so far away from God that you're like little Joe out feeding pigs and you're like, this is terrible. Would God ever accept me home? And the answer is absolutely, absolutely. Maybe you're, maybe you've never accepted Jesus and that's something you need to do. Let me tell you something, heaven and hell is real, okay? What we deserve is hell for our sins, but what we get is heaven if we just simply repent and say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins coming to my life. And so if you need to make that decision, either you need to come home because you've been running or you've never accepted Christ between me and you and God, because everybody's got, this is a private time. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand up where I can see you? Because I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you or point you out. But if that's you, today's the day to get, just to get right with God because we're not guaranteed our next breath. Amen. Okay. Don't think I see any hands. I hope that means we're all going. And if the rapture happened in the next five minutes, I would hope every single one of us would be gone out of this place. If not, you will become known as the evangelist of CUNA because everybody would flock in here and you would get to preach the gospel. Amen. And I don't want you to be that. I want us all to be out of here. But Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, for just this lesson, Lord, just the tendencies that we have. I thank you for your amazing grace. Help us to be like you, not like Hoss. Help us to be loving and kind and gentle when people need it. And we just love and give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just help anybody today. Amen. Um, I'm not giving envelopes full of hundreds, just in case somebody's wondering. Because uh, some of you are like, is that really going to happen? No, it's not. Hopefully someday, but not today. Well, let's close with a song because I'm sure Kids Church is not out yet. But let's give them a few minutes.